What's up, what's up, everybody? Happy New Year. Out with the old, in with the new, and we're transitioning from Remotely Renee. We're growing in this new year to Montgomery and Company. Let's go! Before they get in your business, be in charge of your business. Own it cause it's your business, your business, business. Handle all of your business, value all of your business. You say you're minding your business, my business. It's been years, or at least it feels that way because we haven't seen you guys since 2021. We're so excited to be back with Montgomery and Company and the people that keep the momentum going are the ones that you see sitting in front of me right now. Let's start with my wife, Serena Grace, who is also my business partner. Yes, we got married. We're now a thing. Then we're moving on to my mom, which is my snookabooka and also my executive advisor. And last but of course not least, we have my older sister, Nicole, holding it down as the COO of RM me we're getting things turned up over here because it's a generational thing we talk about a lot of business we talk to founders we're going to play some games but really we're going to talk about how we build together and how we collab with other people let's go you probably knew us when we were remotely renee now we're on a whole new network lebatard and friends shouts to my guy dan lebatard so yes, Remotely Renee is picked up and we are now Montgomery and Company and this is our first episode back. So thank y'all for listening. You know, we started Remotely Renee because the pandemic hit and we wanted to figure out a way for our family to stay connected while being remote. And now it's just grown into something even bigger. We started out having weekly conversations with my whole family, 21 deep. And now we decided for you all to join in on our family conversations. Shout out to Jamel Hill for seeing the vision. She's an advisor at Meadowlark Media and loved the idea of black and brown women coming together to discuss sports, business, culture, and of course, some generational wealth. As I mentioned, I actually work with my family. Yes, we have a remote family office because we actually started working together during the pandemic when everyone had to be remote, hence remotely Renee. Fast forward to now, we built the whole company with my snookabooka, my wife Serena, and my older sister Nicole. We, of course, got VP Paul Garino holding it down on the digital side of the company and helping us make sure things run smoothly behind the scenes at MoCo, along with our other producers, Carl and Roy. So the gang's all here. Things to look forward to this season are interviews with movers and shakers in all of business, money makers, people impacting the community, but also we talk culture and what's going on outside, man. You'll hear stories about what it's like growing up with the Montgomery family, as well as current stories. And no matter what went down, we always bring it to the pod to make folks explain yourself. There's going to be guests that try to cross over Team Montgomery, but we're a competitive group, so I don't know about all that. One of the main things that we want to accomplish is have conversations that not only entertain, but also inform you on your brand building journey, whatever that may be. So buckle up and join the family every Thursday as we discuss how to build your business and generational wealth. More moments, more momentum. It's a generational thing. The reason I wanted to work with my family is because, so let's just go down the line. Serena Grace, 
everyone is qualified. Let me just start out with everyone is qualified. She talks about it. She just went to school and graduated with a journalism and emerging media major. So for me, it's like perfect. I'm emerging into this media scene. I just opted out. She graduated right before I opted out, which is crazy. Renee was my internship, by the way. Yeah. She was my case study. And here we are. So she graduated and then I opted out and I am now, boom, in the thick of things media. And as this media storm is coming, she's navigating it like it's nothing. She's qualified. So then I go to my sister. She's working in corporate America. She's building up another company, a company that's doing really well for themselves. I see my sister over there building with them. And I told my sister, I'm asking her questions like, what do you get paid? What's going on over there? Because I want to take my sister's talents and bring her from corporate America and have her build up our empire here. So I hit my sister up. I told her, give me some months. Let me start getting some money together so that I'm comfortable knowing that we could pay her salary. I extract my sister from corporate America now. Again, you already heard, you, as you with that corporate voice. With the corporate voice, with the everything. <laughs> I extract her from corporate America. Now she's working and building up our empire here. Then Snookabooka, when I talk about qualified, she's overqualified in a sense of she has multiple masters. She's been a college professor for 30 plus years, owned multiple businesses, serial entrepreneur. So you better believe that now Snookabooka is going to be my executive advisor on all things business because she's done all things business. You better believe Cole is my CEO. Oh, because she's been doing that on the corporate side. So, of course, she's qualified to do it here with me and Montgomery and Co. So the reason I wanted to work with family, I know my family might be an outlier. You know, a lot of times you might have to work with family. You might have to teach them the business or teach them what they need to know. But my family came qualified. And so for me, getting my family to work with me is a blessing because they could be working anywhere else. Like they could all easily have jobs anywhere else they wanted to have them. And so I want my family working for me because we're building up something, you know, we're building up a generational, like a generational thing is the only thing I can think of. And another thing is when you have your family working for you, there's a different type of protection that's there. Like I know that there's no crazy deals going on. I know that somebody wouldn't be able to talk to Cole and be like, hey, if you could get your sister to sign this deal, we'll do. I just know that. Like I know my family has my back. I know Serena is not going to be about the check. It's going to be, is this best for the brand? Oh, should we take this deal? Should we not? I know that her vision is going to be about what's best for me and when it comes to snook and different deals i know that when she's advising me on how we should move or what's the proper way to do things because you know she's been there i know that she's only thinking about what's best for me so when i have my family working for me i have this protection but i also have this intelligence that's built in and for me i feel like i'm the winner and so i'm trying to figure out how can i extract shay next that's my whole thought process like everybody got to come on board because <laughs> that's the doctor of the family she's the doctor of the family yeah. but she's like just you know she does so much she's like an event planner when we start to connect all the dots and talk about management on a larger scale shay manages our 21 plus family vacations in a weekend like it's a breeze so i need that mindset too. We call her Dr. Mom. Dr. Mom because she's like so crafty and she had her wedding around Easter and we're coming to her wedding and she had already made the kids Easter baskets and done things and then she's the bride so this is just my sister so I'm already plotting on how I can go get my sister Diddy might have to come on board because I have the blessing that my family is overqualified for the job and I want them here.
up next, we have the host of Jamel Hill is Unbothered, journalist and writer for The Atlantic, and budding actress superstar Jamel Hill is in the building. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, The Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Thank you for joining us. Yes, yes, Jamel yes. Hill is unbothered, baby, and she is on <laughs> Montgomery and Company, okay? First off, I got to start with Michigan State head coach Tuck received the Big Ten Coach of the Year award. Yes. You're an MSU alumni. That's how you and uh, the hubby met too, right? MSU to, yeah, I, did. Uh, to I Do or something like that. Yes, from MSU to I Do. That was our <laughs> wedding hashtag. You guys know. Did you guys have a hashtag? No. We did not. No. Listen, Jamel, we didn't have a lot. You know, we had this talk already. We didn't even have a wedding. <laughs> oh, you didn't do a wedding wedding. Yeah. I mean, I'm right. sorry. I just read about part. I just saw the people pictures. And I was like, ooh. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that, that, that was a whole photo shoot set up like a whole year after. Yeah. Yeah, that was okay. in retrospect. I but I wanted to talk about because what's going on with college football? What's going on? Uh, what's going what's, on? What's, it's what we've known college sports to be, especially football for a long time. Uh, it's a business. And the thing is, I, I don't think a lot of people would be nearly as critical of these coaches if they use that same energy to pad their pockets when it came to college athletes wanting to pad theirs. Mm. So the problem is just the innate hypocrisy in how the situations are viewed. Because I'm old enough to remember when college athletes, college football players in particular, were called selfish for sitting out bowl games yep. because they didn't want to get hurt. A lot of them looking forward to professional futures and they were called selfish. Yep. But meanwhile, you know, Brian Kelly can leave Notre Dame like he owes somebody money <laughs> and go to LSU. <laughs> go on, baby. And it's all good. Right. Or, or same thing with Lincoln Riley. It's like, you know, they've been in homes promising these recruits they're going to be there through thick and thin. And then they jet out. Now, get your paper. Again, it's about energy. And whenever college students look out for themselves, then it's, everybody has a problem with it. But notice all these college presidents who are talking about how NILs and college uh, athletes being paid was going to ruin the system. They ain't got nothing to say At when all. all these coaches are going and skipping universities to get bigger bags they have nothing to say right. is there something to ha like that can be done though because what if this continues like the rate that this is going I feel like the college athlete is the only one that loses in this scenario because if I decided to go to a school to your point and colleges are hopping all over the place like do you think something's going to come down the line that stops all this movement no and it shouldn't be um 
I'm reminded of a line in a movie that y'all all too young enough to have seen. It's called North Dallas 40 with Nick Nolte, right? And in the movie, he says, when I say it's a business, you say it's personal. When I say it's personal, you say it's a business. Ah. Okay? All I'm saying with that is that it's okay for the free market to work, but movement has to be for everybody. Okay. You can't have a system where a college coach can pick up and leave and go to a school anytime they feel like it. But college athletes have to follow transfer rules. Oh, you can't, you know, that that's really the the bulk of this. It's the inequity, it's the unfairness, it's once one set of rules for the one set of rules for me. That is the part that I think is distasteful about the system. So, you know, honestly, these colleges, if they want to keep paying 90 100 million dollars for these Oof. coaches let them four you know, homes um, private yeah, jet 24 7 i, I said, mean if, if that's I what they're gonna do that's a hard <laughs> that's a hard offer to turn down like i tweeted it oh, out of course. somebody tell me they gonna pay for my two homes buy me a new <laughs> home for six million i can get the jet and my family anytime we want i who, just who don't take that i just don't know what would make me say no to and that if you did say no i would have a big problem like, are you crazy <laughs> <laughs> right? you no, this is personal if you say no to this exactly <laughs> exactly the only thing i would say to college athletes and i hope they're paying attention i need them to have a better understanding of the business again it is a business that they're getting into yeah. meaning when these coaches tell you they're going to be there understand that may not happen so don't pick it for the coach okay yeah you better pick it for a lot of other factors beyond just the coach because many of them as soon as they are able to get money elsewhere then that's what they're going to do so i just want them to be more educated and empowered in how they make decisions definitely and you know you're talking about like different unfairnesses and detroit is a city that we've kind of seen get a bad rap i saw your tweets about how the oxford high school shooting is getting portrayed as a deep Detroit thing and it goes back to the malice in the palace you know you talked about that snook was living in detroit during the detroit riot so there's there's mm -hmm. some connections there to how the news portrays certain things when they have a certain feeling about it so you're a journalist and i wanted to know like your thoughts on first of all what kind of journalist are you because i've been asking people that because now i'm finding <laughs> out that there's so much different types of journalism it is and then it like is. what do you think about how journalism landscape is kind of shifting because of social media and everything else. So I guess my official job is I write for the Atlantic and I cover the convergence of race, sports, gender and culture. Hmm. And so, you know, that means that when uh, with the conversation we just had about the paydays for college coaches, relating that to the inequity and the hypocrisy of what's going on in the college system overall. I've written a lot about that and particularly about uh, what's happening with the NIL and how college students or college athletes really have a lot of power that they don't realize that's really untapped. So just a myriad of issues, racial issues, all sorts of things. But there are different types. I mean, you could be a reporter that just focuses on covering entertainment. You could be a reporter that just focuses on covering science. The one that just covers politics, one that just covers a particular team or league or that kind of thing. So, yeah, I mean, that to me is a really cool thing about journalism is that you can pair writing yeah. with something that you're naturally interested in. For sure. And especially now in the age that we're in. 
I noticed that there's just a lot more reporters and journalists who are specifically covering police brutality, specifically Mm -hmm. covering racism, specifically covering institutional racism. And I hope people understand that the role of newspapers, especially local newspapers, if you think about what you would not know if not for the news, it's scary. Yeah. Okay. Because the whole purpose of why journalism exists is to hold people accountable. There was an adage that we often talked about and discussed when I was in journalism school is that it is our job to comfort the afflicted and afflict the comfortable. Mm, Okay. You better take us to school. I love that. (laughs) Yeah, that's something that we need to take very seriously. Unfortunately, to your point about shifting landscapes, because media now is more uh, corporate in the sense that you have only a few corporations controlling vast sections of the media. Yeah. um, Because you have an unfortunate situation where social media, the 24 hour news cycles, uh, you have people who want to be first rather than right. Right. And you have an eroding credibility of the media that was brought on by its own mistakes. Also brought on by the former president who continued to call journalists the enemy of the state, created the moniker fake news. And so now with social media and the fact that mediums like Facebook, Twitter, like whatever social media platform you use, they do not do a good job of differentiating what is actually news and what is actually honestly fake news and propaganda or paid for bought ads y'all see them when y'all when y'all are checking out real stories you'll see them at the bottom of the page where it says like you know Loch Ness monster discovered right yeah but there are people clicking on those stories who really think that's real (laughs) and so and that's why you have so much misinformation and a lot of people particularly as you saw when it came to COVID um, how much this flow of misinformation really has challenged our country. It's the biggest threat that this country really is facing because it's eating us from the inside out. I know sometimes that when these stories pop up, they either go over our heads or we just tend to not pay attention. But pay attention to the fact that a few years ago, it was discovered during our election how Russia and China were putting bots all through social media, purposely disseminating division and disinformation. You know, there was a lot of very racist campaigns on both sides that were being popped up on Facebook by people from China and other countries to try to sow division in the United States because they want to see democracy crumble here. And it's something we should all be uh, very aware of. It was way too easy. And it was way too easy. It was very easy easy. because they know racism is the unatoned for problem that we have yet to get a handle on. Right. So they know what the weakness is and they saw it. The weakness was racism. And so it's really easy to jump on that. You know, I I think it was the first day of the Kyle Rittenhouse verdict. I saw a story where something like 70 percent of the tweets that were put out pro Rittenhouse on Twitter were from bots. Wow. And all that does is stir up the emotions of people. And some of them have one whether or not these social media platforms themselves, not saying necessarily Twitter, are sort of encouraging these bots because the way their algorithms work, not to go too deep state on y'all. No, no, no. no, no we understand. By, it, we understand how the algorithms work. Yeah. Yeah, they work. It works by outrage. If anybody hasn't seen The Social Dilemma on Netflix, yeah. Oh, yeah, you watch need to watch it. it. Yeah. Watch yeah. it. You need to watch it. It will make you want to delete every social media Facts. app that you have. Definitely. Because they know. Yeah. But. But I'll, I will just say this and I'll, I'll stop rambling. Is that what for <laughs> no, me as no, a, a we, career journalist? We're not journey, rambling. We love it. We yeah, love okay. everything you say. <laughs> well, thank you. Uh, for me as a career journalist, the disappointment for me is seeing how um, 
how much the media has failed and journalism in particular is that our framing, the way we have contextualized stories is bad, especially when it comes to political reporting. Like, you know, you've seen all these people talk about you constantly hear, oh, the Democrats, they're very popular policies, but they don't message well. It's not our job to message for the Democrats, but it is our job to explain what their policies say. Right. So we read all these stories about the infrastructure bill and we read all these stories about the Build Back Better bill that's in effect, BBB, whatever. Nobody's ever explaining what's in the bill. Nobody. You don't you don't read that. Like, all right. They're just saying people are for people are against it. What are they for and against? Explain what it is. And so we don't do basic things in journalism that would allow people to put things into context and frankly would cut down on the misinformation. So we do stuff like telling people that Oxford, Michigan is north of Detroit when anybody from Detroit knows that it is 45 miles from That's Detroit. That's crazy. Okay. When you see north of Detroit, you think that it's right around the street. Yeah. It is right around the block. It is not. And because Detroit has this reputation of being a dangerous city, of being the city where murders happen, all you're doing is telling people, oh, it's Detroit. Yep. That's where it's supposed to happen. Right. Yep. And it was the same with Malice at the Palace. The Palace of Auburn Hills is a solid hour from Detroit. <laughs> solid hour. It's an entirely another con- oh my uh, county, right? It's closer to Flint than it is to Detroit, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, so it's just like, look, Detroit doesn't need any help getting a bad reputation. Right. Don't need no help, all right? And I saw several stories that just said Oxford, a high school outside Detroit. It's not outside Detroit, all right? It's much further than you guys are portraying it. So yes, I did take exception to that as somebody who grew up in a city that was only on the national news for bad reasons. Right, I feel that. One of the things that I was taught in journalism school is always check your sources. You know, people don't check their sources that much. I always 100%. tell Renee, I'm like, who said that? Who said that? You know, like, I, I can't I, say nothing without her saying who said that. I'm yeah, like, yeah, how did you tell that? You know, I read on Twitter. I'll be like, I read it on Twitter. I didn't check the sources, Serena. Like, another, another statement that I hear all the time that kills me is they. And I'm like, who's they? I hate yeah. when they say, oh, yes. well, they yeah. said, well, who's they? So that yeah. actually brings me to another they. I'm curious because people say they don't want to see women play sports. You know, like there's that whole oh, that don't whole get me thing. Mm, so I'm curious, like, what is it going to take to get that growth on the women's side when it comes to contracts, TV exposure, media exposure? Because they are saying that no one. <laughs> people are saying people are saying that no one is watching, but we keep getting back numbers and numbers of viewership that says, "Wait, they are watching." So, what is it? Where's the disconnect? Like, what's going on? I feel like we're getting close to a breakthrough, but what do you think from your perspective? So, I think that sometimes the you know what is it Denzel said an American gangster the loudest person in the room is the dumbest person mm-hmm. in the room mm-hmm. right yeah. or something along those yeah. lines mm-hmm. and so what happens is that you have a loud minority that then becomes the narrative on something that is not statistically true the growth of women's basketball has is exploding yes. it has and it is <laughs> yes. at the same time Definitely. right yeah. and we see what the numbers say especially in terms of television viewership with the WBA it's the crazy. playoffs I mean just throughout the year I mean it is just astronomical people love this product I don't think there's any <laughs> debate about that but I think what you do have much like you is has been the case and anytime there needs to be a barrier broken is that you have your trolls but trolls aren't 
in charge of networks. But I think there's still people in those rooms when they make those decisions who are relying on a false narrative yep. and who are thinking in terms of the lowest common denominator and frankly, shortchanging the people that they're serving. As we have seen before, let's just take broadcast, for example. Like, you know, when I got into TV, I certainly felt it and could see it is that there was a lot of blind white women on TV, mm-hmm. literally everywhere. Yeah. You know, the the broadcast television, especially in sports, sports broadcast and wet jacket for black women. It's just what it was. And I think a lot of that had to do with the fact that the executives were making decisions off what they liked or what they thought the fans would like without actually putting somebody on TV to see what they actually (laughs) liked, right? And so I think the same thing kind of happens with women's sports is that there's been this persistent narrative that there's not a big enough fan base or there's not a a lucrative enough fan base when we have seen evidence that just flies in the face of that. Exactly. And so now I think at this point, they're actually using it as a negotiation tool. And the sense, like, you know how it is when you're in a negotiation, the job of the other person person or other entity on the other side of the table is to devalue what you do yep. so they can get pay it at the, the most, cheapest price get it at the <laughs> cheapest price and so you know it's going to take um and and you know some of that has happened already with the last collective bargaining agreement yeah. in the WNBA it's going to take women continuing to push them and not be afraid because you know even though this is still a young product which I do remind people of 25 like, years you know, I, 25 years. I, I, that's why I hate these comparisons to male sports. It's like most women's sports have not been around as long as they exactly. have. And we forget what male sports were like in the beginning. See, everybody forgets that the NBA used to be on tape delay. <laughs> right? Used to be on tape delay. All right. It wasn't a product that's that's this hot in the streets. Right. Okay? And as it was, they went through an entire 80s or a good bit of the 80s with most of a lot of their major players who were on drugs. Right. So they have come through their battles as well. Yeah. The same thing with football. Super Bowls weren't always getting 100 million viewers. No. That wasn't always no. happening. Right. Right. So if you're going to compare the growth of women's sports, compare it at the same apples level and apples. same time frame, apples to apples, as what the men were doing. And you will find is kind of in the vicinity. And so I say all that to say is that I think the breakthrough is in progress. And the NIL in college sports is about to be huge for women. Yeah, I agree. You know, Paige Becker's about to make so much money. Paige Yeah. You know, and so when people were trying to use women as a reason not to pay college athletes, it was just laughable because that is where a lot of women will see a tremendous amount of for sure. earning potential. You know, when you look at the Instagram pages, it's mostly female athletes in college that have these booming, banging Instagram pages of like 400, 500, a million 100%. followers. It's them. And the engagement. And the engagement, yeah. right? Because Instagram is frankly a female-driven vehicle. So yes, they are <laughs> going to make a lot of money. So I think as you see this, that generation of page backers, like they're going to come up with a whole different bag than you did, Renee McCoy. Oh. We play for the honor and speaking of that you know you you talked about it's going to look a lot different even with women in entertainment and different things going on with that but you have Jamel Hill is unbothered you also have an unbothered network on Spotify it's like a lot Ooh, going on to elevate so black nice. voices so that's the reason that I wanted to bring that up I've had plenty of talks with Dan about the struggles of building something big like that and we talk a lot about business and entrepreneurs and so what has it been starting a whole network out here Woo, I feel like I need some whiskey for this conversation 
<laughs> She's like, where do I start? I'm with, I'm with Listen, <laughs> this is the most challenging thing I've undertaken in my career, but that just lets me know it's about to be the most rewarding. And just even getting Spotify to partner with me, which they were in on, you know, from the moment I said it, that is one step. Now the next step is, you know, us getting some great content out there that we didn't just want for black people. We wanted specifically for black women. You know, this is a company network and a company, I should say, that is run by black women that will have black women behind the scenes in terms of creating the content. Uh, black women as talent. I know, right? Pe- you know, like we up all up and through here. Come on, we're all up You better. Yeah, okay. we all up and through Shouts here. Shouts to Chantre. I just wanted to say that right now because yeah, I just thought about her with behind Chantre. the camera. Yes. An- another <laughs> black woman I know who is doing it the right way and, and excellent at her job. So, you know, I-, I just think that in general, you see a lot of purported black content companies but when you go behind the scenes yep. you, you yep. flip and look at yep. that org chart ain't nobody black on it yep. you like but yeah, I thought it was yeah, a black product yeah. so I did not want that to at all you That's know be awesome. the reality um, for this company it's like no we not only have to be the front facing talent we also have to create the content and run it and make the decisions that's what it's going to be and so it's an opportunity to not only amplify uh, black voices but you know frankly be able to position some black women to take on executive roles yes so, um, so yeah yes. it was, it's a lot to do I'm sure you know Dan and I could commiserate <laughs> <laughs> sure. about it but it's it's really really rewarding and so you know I'm just trying to find my Montgomery and company you know what I'm saying okay. <laughs> the alarm and holla at her because it's amazing and then lastly i like to throw little nuggets out there so startups founders and first employees are amongst the top people creating wealth now and the way it's being generated because startups that's how everything is run the united states though leads the world in the number of new startups however 95 percent of venture capital money is invested into white males which i don't think is a shock but people should be shocked when you hear that 95 percent of the money that's making the people the most wealthy these days is going to white men now i make my intentions like very known i'm trying to create generational wealth for my family and other minority and women-led families but what are your thoughts on generational wealth so um very important I'd like to have some. (laughs) (laughs) You're not by yourself. (laughs) I know. I know. I'm not. Uh, But honestly, as I have uh, learned so much on the business end, because listen, this is sort of like the third transition of my career, even though it's all been under the umbrella of journalism. When I first got in the business, I just wanted to write stories, being a journalist, covering teams, covering sports. That's it. Then I made the transition over into television and became more of a, I guess, TV personality, a, word, uh, a TV personality. Yes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> a, a, okay. A celebrity journalist, if you want to put it like that, yes. I, I hate the way that sounds, <laughs> but that was the next sort of iteration. Then the third now has been in content, creation slash entrepreneurship Mm. because that was something I never envisioned for myself. I never understood I was my own company. And when I started to understand that, then it certainly helped me make more impactful and better financial decisions. So what I have learned very quickly, most important relationship you can have is with your banker. Most important relationship. (laughs) 
That's some good advice. Yeah. I mean, what I have, you know, certainly read and researched and even talking to those in the banking community. In fact, I just had a great uh, Zoom call. JP Morgan Chase. They have an entire black wealth initiative. Wow. That is outstanding. Right. And we wow. need to know about that. Yes. Well, we didn't know about that. Yeah. That's crazy. Yes, they do. Wow. They have an entire black wealth initiative. This is really great that, you know, we're having this conversation because, you know, what my number one suggestion to them was because they want to reach more black folks in general to tell them about ways they could take advantage of some of the things that are happening within Chase and how they can get their businesses funded and how they can get to that capital you're talking about. I said, you know what? And this is no disrespect to the NBA. None at all. They're doing their thing. We know the kind of money that they're making. But I was like, if y'all really want to reach some people and, and really, you know, get in the trenches, I suggest you develop a program with the WNBA. Thank I was you. Like, that was my, Come I was on. like, develop one with the WNBA because you have a lot of women who have to, A, have multiple streams of income. Yes. Uh, all right. Many of y'all are still playing overseas. Yep. Many of them, uh, you know, obviously playing for their own teams, doing, you know, even venturing into broadcasting in the yep. off season. Point is, they got many hustles and they're trying to maximize those hustles and make their money work for them. They're starting business businesses because look black women are the only racial ethnic group that own more businesses than their male counterparts is like the 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 birth or the boom of black women who own their businesses is huge so with that being said this is your market college educated black women who are trying to figure out what their not only generational wealth creation looks like but how to start businesses, how to become bigger brands. And they need money to do that. And they love the idea. So I really hope something comes of it. But as I said, it's something we you know, talked about in that same call is getting to know your banker is really, really important in developing that relationship. Because when you go in cold, as you know, like you can hear a different answer. Right. Yes. But when you're having this established relationship, when you're able to network with them, you know, I can call my banker right now and get them to do four or five things for me. Okay. And just be like, yeah, you, you need a banker or, or a up. wealth manager, one of those two, that will really help you go through these steps and figure out how you can make your money work for you. That's the most important thing that I had to figure out, and I'm sure you guys did yeah. as well, is that, you know, if you have a million in the bank, you ain't got to use that million. No, nope. You could borrow against that million. <laughs> nope. right. as, yeah. Especially as this, uh, and we're in a time now where these interest rates is low, okay? All <laughs> so, right? You could borrow against that, start something else, buy something else, yeah. you know, create and build your assets. Estate planning. I Me and my that. husband are doing that right now. Please, black people, do some estate yes. planning. Please have a will. And I know how some of us are superstitious mm-hmm. and think like, I don't want to invite death. And I, nah. <laughs> yeah. What you're trying to do is make sure that your family yeah. is set up right. Because I have been a part of, unfortunately, a few situations yeah. or witnessed some where something happens to somebody unexpected or expected. And then people fighting over everything. Have an estate plan so that, you know, even if you're somebody who, you know, let's say you started a clothing line and something happened to you. Well, your clothing line is still there. Right. Who's getting that money? That's yeah. Go to your estate. Mm-hmm. So do this planning. So it's just all sorts of financial information that I'm learning that, frankly, has just really improved the quality of my life. So um, and you find out these things. And, I, you know, we started doing this because why? We had a relationship with our banker and he was just like, I need you guys to do some estate planning. 
And he has been honest about that. And one of the other things is besides the wheel is the living wheel. I had the living I went wheel. Through, Mama, talk about it. I went through. <laughs> I went through horrendous and in, in Detroit, as a matter of fact, mm. I went through a horrendous situation in there because someone had a wheel but not a living wheel, and it was like it ruined their life. It just ruined Man. it. So. and so living listen, get important. take care I of your already. Like I'm what? trying to tell you, take care of your finances. It is a generational thing, as we talk about here. I want. That's why we talk but about that's it. That's so, by the way how you create the generational yes. wealth. And, and you have to be to pass it down. Yes. Thank you. you. Very yes, proactive. Thank you for that. Yeah. So living will, will, estate planning. Those are the three pass things. Pass it And that's crazy because we, we, we uh, bank with Chase and we didn't even know about that. That's, a, that's Yo, ask Chase if you guys have a wealth manager or a person that you guys, whenever, you know, you're looking to do something beyond just your normal check and savings, mm-hmm. you know, yes. checking and savings yeah. setup. When you're doing stuff beyond that when it comes to whatever you're doing business wise, I don't know if your business accounts are there. Talk to them about the Black Wealth Initiative. Okay. Amazing. Thank All you. right, wow. real quick, we're going to do the hot seat. This is true or false. Everybody's going <laughs> to answer. There is no right answer to my true or false questions. Just FYI. Okay. Starting out, question number one, Jamel, the Atlanta Hawks will make it to the Eastern Conference Finals again this year. True or false? Uh, false. Snook? I think true. I think they've lost some good parts, but also they brought in some good uh she said false See, players. I see you laughing. Jamel said false. No, no. You know what? Honestly, I like the Hawks team, but you know what kind of concerned me is that, you know, I heard Trey Young talking about how they were kind of having a hard time getting motivated in the regular yeah, season. Yeah, he was bored. That quote he was really bored. And tore I was like, people oh. up. That quote tore people up, boy. I was like, yeah. I mean, I understand it because he says something privately a lot of NBA players feel. But it's concerning because <laughs> one, the season just started and two, you didn't go to the finals last year. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> right. You didn't win a championship. It's a fact. We should not be bored at any time. Are we going to the all. Eastern Conference not Finals? motivational at all. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, do do the Phoenix Suns, who also didn't win at all, do they look bored right now? No, they no, don't. <laughs> they look really I mean, good. Renee brought up a good point. She said, well, he, he's early in his career, and already he he's already kind of coming off the playoff hype and the momentum, and he's like, that's kind of all he knows. Exactly. Imagine being in Madison Square Gardens, you're Shushin, Spike Lee, you're bowing to the crowd. He was on a high and basically he did not articulate it well that, man, this is just <laughs> not like the Philadelphia fans. You know, like, so yes, I get that cold, true or false. Uh, I would say true. Okay, uh, Serena, true or false. <laughs> oh, man, I'm, I'm the wrong person to ask, but... I, I feel like you better I, say true. In, I was going <laughs> to say true, okay? Because I love the Hogs, I love my city, and I still believe, baby. Isn't that the hashtag? Believe. Yes. Well. Okay. Yes. Okay. <laughs> All right. True or false? Rihanna will create another album. True or false? True. Uh, okay. Oh, this is true. Okay, but you say it with such confidence. She's I was like, she's yeah. insider. <laughs> no, I, I don't know it. I don't know any inside information whatsoever, but I don't think she's done yet. And she even insinuated, she said she was making new music. I yeah, believe her. But... And you know, one thing I've realized and just by talking to different artists, and I think Kendrick Lamar is doing this, in order to be good and to write about some of the things they write about and sing it the way they do, they need to live life. Yeah, Definitely. I was thinking that, life. yeah. Constantly producing music. Okay, so mom Rihanna might be lit then, you know what I mean? She might have some different <laughs> type of lyrics. Yeah. She's in love. We never really, I don't know if Rihanna ever been in love. She might have been, but like she's. Nah, we need, we need Savage Rihanna. We don't need <laughs> that Rihanna. We need no Savage Rihanna. Oh, Savage is only for Fenty now, baby. I don't know if we getting Savage back. 
Uh, anybody else think that she's creating an album? True or I false? Say no. What do we think? I say no. I say that's savage. That Fenty money is going to keep her right it's where gone. she is. She's at. a billionaire. She's, she's a billionaire. She's a billionaire. She billionaire status. Now everything is just, I'm going to sit back and let my money come to me. Yeah, I, I think she will because it's like an outlet, you know, something that you do that you enjoy. And, okay. and, and I think that, you know, I don't know uh, what a relationship status is, how long it will be, but I think that if, you know, she moves on to someone else, it'll uh, create new. Look, mom, her relationship status is pimping. Yeah. That's her relationship status. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I mean, Beyonce did it. Beyonce did it. No, she was still bad after the baby. Listen, Miss you know, Carter. Yeah. I like Mrs. Carter, man. That gave us yeah. a different style of music. Yeah. True or false? I think I think true. I'm with I'm with Jamel and Snook on this one because I, I think she's still young. She's still got a, a lot of life left to live, to Jamel's point. You got to live life to write about it and sing about it. So I think she's still got a lot left in her. Okay, two more. All right. True or false? We will be out of the pandemic maskless by 2023. False. 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 This Omarion, yes, the black people oh are calling it the Omarion. Social media is undefeated. I know it's I know oh there's some God. toxic if things. I, if I go with Marion, I'm dropping a new album because I guess it was trending for three days because it's right there. So that's but, unanimous. Uh, yeah. Facts. Yeah, oh, that's no, unanimous. We're not, we're and, not. and you know what? I gotta be honest, I don't even think we close. Nowhere. Right. Nowhere think, near. Yeah. I think by twenty I think twenty twenty five we could be turn into an endemic and it's going to be like everything else every year you'll be going back and getting and, our booster and getting, yep. getting, getting a shot a, or yep. a vaccination mm, I agree wow we just got into some terrible stuff and we're I don't we think did. we're going to get 2019 was our, was our last year of freedom yeah. mm. like freedom like we like we let's pretend that is that <laughs> way again okay um, alright so last question Jamel Hill really is unbothered by the tweets, the comments, the trolls. <laughs> true or false? True. Oh, that is true. Oh, okay. This is true. True. That's I guess if I wasn't here, I'd, I'd probably say something a little unchristian like. <laughs> no, go ahead, but, honey. I probably done said it before. Too. <laughs> Just go ahead. No, 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 I do. I, I do like the T-shirt that back. says "F it." I'm bothered. I like that one. I'm yeah, yeah. yeah. I should have worn it. I got a hoodie or two in there. I probably should have worn it today if I was thinking. But why are you unbothered? How do you stay unbothered by things that bother people? Oh, easy, cause like these people don't pay my bills. Right, right. Now what? I mean, that, they, right. they, you know, as I have to remind some of them, you on Twitter for free. I'm not. <laughs> like, okay, you exactly. give me your opinion wow. for free. Wow, that's a statement. I don't. <laughs> so exactly. I don't know your life. I can't relate. Okay? Exactly. Let, let me. Let me drop the mic for you. Hold on a second. Let's drop the mic for her, okay? Because she actually dropped the mic. Over let, I dropped my mic and all the setup was wrong. But Jamel Hill, oh my God, my <laughs> so true. Thank it's you, like they don't, And then not only that, it's just whether the only person whose opinion that really matters outside of my husband's, my mama, and you know some close friends is that um, is the opinion of other people who write me the checks. Like if they were tweeting me trolling me I'd be in trouble but like <laughs> it's not them so right. it's just kind of like whatever now there's a difference between being bothered by and being annoyed by it I get annoyed by it of course it. yeah just because I'm from that time you know and I, I feel like y'all can relate that like you don't get to just talk greasy to me like nah, you just don't nah. like we you can definitely talk greasy 
No, not like that. Like no. every now and again, I got to make an example out of somebody. So the rest <laughs> of y'all know. That's my favorite. Fall I'll line, just say, line. as a Twitter follower, it's my favorite when you write a whole novel in a in, in a little <laughs> bit of characters that you got, and then you just. <laughs> just every little bit of the tweet that's my can please continue to always do that because yeah so we I thank you for being annoyed yes we love what you put out there and you know what the <laughs> best thing jamel is about you being unbothered it bothers other people it bothers <laughs> Ooh, the right yes. people. That's a word. That's a word right there. Yes. So listen, Jamel Hill is unbothered, and we thank you for coming on the pod today to chop it up with us on Montgomery and Company. You're always welcome to a game, too, by the way. I need to see you next summer here at the Dream. Come through. Absolutely. I mean, but the way this Omarion working, (laughs) (laughs) we'll see. Because, you know, Atlanta, y'all a little loose. We're looking out for the album. We want that that album. It's hot Atlanta down here at all times. We've been on the pandemic happened in Atlanta. I don't think it did. I don't think Atlanta was ever aware about the pandemic. Atlanta, I, did not, I did not Atlanta's a loose booty. That's loose booty down there. Okay, you know what? People come from other places. They think it's like Mardi Gras. Like, well, I just came down here to go to the restaurants because it's like free. And we're like, oh my God. y'all got freedom on a different yeah, loose. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. We, out, we outside out here. So if you're trying to y'all come outside, outside next year, <laughs> okay. come through. Thank you, Jamel. I, yes. I got you. Thank you. Thank you, company. Nice meeting you. Thank you, Jamel. Good to see all of y'all, Nicole. Serena, I'll see y'all. So my family and I have some crazy stories, some of them embarrassing, some of them funny, and some plain old country because we grew up in West Virginia. But whatever the case, when we tell our stories, we have to explain our actions. Explain yourself. Okay, so while in New York, we're from West Virginia, Snook, Colin, Shay bought about 20 fake perfumes. Explain yourself, folks. Don't make it like it's recent. It was years ago. We are a little smarter than that. Oh, <laughs> well, look, that's a- <laughs> Yes. Hey, 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 Renee. You know, like, don't play me now. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, we all met up in New York. Um, you know, our family, our schedules are so crazy. Renee had a game in New York. It's enough for us to just pop up there and stay in the room with her. So, we, you know, we had two beds. We like, oh, we're going to make it a girl's trip. <laughs> you know, I rode the train to New York. Airboss flew to New York, you know. So we get there. We're all excited. Renee has to go to practice, of course, you know. I leave him alone for one second. Yeah, so she had to go to practice. So she's like, okay, what are y'all going to do? So we're like, we're going to hit the streets. We're going shopping. We was all excited. So we go out, we go shopping. We go, of course, you know, we're looking at the knockoffs. We're looking at the real stuff. We're looking at a little bit of everything. <laughs> so we're actually walking. We're not even in a store. We're walking. And we see a whole bunch of people. And all these people are like gathered around. We're like, well, what are they looking at? And people are grabbing <laughs> bottles and money's being handed back and forth. So we're like, oh, man, we got to come up. What's going on? <laughs> We think we're going to get this perfume. So we're looking. We're like, oh, it's Dolce & Gabbana. Oh, it's Calvin Klein. It's, you know, all these perfumes. So, you know, we get the money together. Mom's like, I'm getting Christmas done. Ah, Shay's Snook. like, oh, yeah, that's Snook. a great idea. Snook, how many, who did you get Christmas presents for, Snook? I think I got six bottles. <laughs> oh, I got about five bottles myself for all my people back in Maryland. Shay got some bottles for her soul roars and her best friends. <laughs> so we Not had probably AKAs, about 20. Though. Yes, we had about 20 bottles. So we all and the funny thing is the guy after he sold it the police kind of pulled up everybody kind of dispersed we started walking we have our bags they're walking in the same direction they're like oh are y'all following us we're like no we're going back to our hotel chop our stuff off they said well where are y'all from we're like oh we're from west virginia we're up here just 
visiting and they're like oh that's cool they you found know. their mark <laughs> listen they just wanted a story to go with what they just sold us so we get to the hotel we all looking at our stuff and then Nache goes Donna and Rabana. It. I was like Donna and Rabana. Calvin Klein. We, Calvin I mean, Klein. It was terrible. It was terrible. Not Dolce Gabbana. Donna and Rabana. I was done. Oh we were done. Gosh. So we looked at all the. So we're looking at them. And mom's like, they probably got water in them. So we open them up, smell them. Uh, whatever. They it didn't have like a. a oh no, Cola's. Cola's trying to bake it, but it had no scent. scent. It had no. Scent. She talking about a it faint did, scent. Mom, it did. It, mom, did it not? That it had stuff would have washed off in two seconds outside. As soon as you hit the outside <laughs> air, you would have smelled like nothing but outside with them perfumes. Snook, explain yourself. Well, as I said, after we realized we'd been took, <laughs> bamboozled. I don't want anyone to know we'd been took. But Renee has a big mouth. She told everybody. <laughs> you better believe it. No, what happened was she came back and she's like, what did y'all get? And then she's like, what is this? Donna and Rabana. Oh. And we're like, Renee, we got, we got I threw a fit. So she's, she's like, I can't believe y'all came up here and I, I'm embarrassed. Y'all should be. She lectured us for about five minutes before she started telling the story. Then she started laughing. I told every single obvious. one of my teammates. I told my coaches. <laughs> I told anybody that would listen that not one person out of my family didn't notice that they said Getchy. It didn't say Gucci. It wasn't Gucci. It was Getchy. <laughs> it said Getchy. It said Getchy. It said, it, it was like, Calvin Klein. They probably should have said gotcha. <laughs> yeah. Because y'all got got. So that's why I can't leave my family alone when we travel. I mean, sounds about right for New York, though. I mean, hey, we're going back to New York, so we will not be having the same issue this time that we had last time. I'm just going to tell you that New right York will now. get you. I grew up in New York. Let me tell you, a Dominican person would not know the difference. We would take that back because that's how we said Calvin Klein anyways. Everybody would say Calvin Klein, Calvin Klein. It's like, oh, this is real. Oh, what is some good stuff. Then we would Take that back to the yard with a quickness. <laughs> Coming up next, we have founder and CEO at Buzzer, Bo Han. And Bo led Twitter's efforts in global live sports content partnerships and was responsible for driving partnerships with the NFL, NBA, MLB, NHL, MLS, and PGA. Bo Han. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Montgomery and Company. And I'm so excited because a lot of people know I'm very into tech. Obviously, I'm into sports and you're that intersection of sports and tech. I became an investor of Buzzer. I came on a referral of Roz Gold on Wood A. She told me the ideas that you all had for Buzzer and diversity. So can you just talk about why it was important to get not only women, but black women involved in Buzzer? Our cap table should mirror our customers. And we're going to get plenty of black women using our service, right? And so we need to build our product and our community from a place of empathy. We need to reflect that empathy through representation. It starts from the leadership level. Uh, we announced our first appointed board member. And it's something that we continuously focus within our teammates as well. Uh, I hold each manager uh, within our team accountable for hiring 
but also hiring through the lens of diverse talent because our customers are diverse, which means the builders of our company, our investors should be diverse as well. So it comes from uh, my dad's a pastor and it, it, it comes okay. from uh, the philosophy around, you know, you want to build your community or your church of how heaven looks like. Right. And so the same way, you know, if our audience or if our community is going to reflect um, how our company makeup and our culture wants to be, you know, we need to build it that way. So uh, we're trying to build it in an intentional and thoughtful way. What inspired you to start like a sports clip app? Is like, is it like a story or how does it all begin? Prior to starting Buzzer in January of 2020, I had the opportunity to work at Twitter for seven years. I joined in 2012. Um, the last four out of the 12 years, I had the opportunity to lead our content acquisitions group, specifically focusing on the acquisition of sports and entertainment rights. The inspiration around Buzzer was simple. When there are exciting moments that are happening live, more often than not, they're trending on Twitter, right? And so if you're watching that game, amazing. That's what we call WNBA Twitter or NBA Twitter. You know, it's a very engaged community. Right. But if you're seeing that tweet and you're not watching the game, I think all of us can identify with this where you have that momentary panic of where's the nearest TV or sports bar? What channel is it part of? What subscription is it part of? By the time you figure all that out, the game is done, right? Yeah. So let me give you a, a very personal example. you got the Minnesota Lynx and the Sparks. <laughs> you know, the game's tied up 69-69 in the fourth quarter with seven and a half uh, seconds left. You remember this? Yes, um, I do. Sounds familiar. <laughs> sounds familiar. Yeah, yeah. So right before that inbound, you get a notification that says an inbound is about to happen with seven and a half seconds left you know, 199 or 99 cents to watch, right? You're in that moment where it matters most. Uh, the rest is history, right? Renee knocks it down with, you know, five <laughs> seconds left, right? And so, um, again, I came correct, um, you know. Um, you came all the way all correct. The way. Yeah. All yeah. the way correct. Like, <laughs> all the fields. So, yeah, yeah. So we, we all know that. And the, the, there is a generational gap when it comes to consumption of live content or and specifically live sports. It's really driven by this whole goal and initiative around how do we get the next generation, specifically Gen Z and younger millennials to consume content live. We know that uh, the way that they consume media is very different from all of us, right? right. Um, we're, right. we're all prone to just turn on the television and we'll just keep it on and watch three, four hours of live sports, right? Um, maybe, you know, once you have other, you know, responsibilities of kids and we'll start doing less of that, but the next generation, you know, these kids, even if they're sitting next to you while you're watching television, nine times out of 10 are probably oh, yeah. looking down. Oh, yeah. Right. Absolutely. On their Definitely. phones. Right? 100%. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. the way that they consume media. Exactly. Yeah. It's all on and their phones. How do you engage with them when they're looking down? Right. How do you engage with them in a short form format where they consume all TikTok content? It's all 15 seconds and it's high frequency. Right. And yeah. so how do you meet them where they are? It is um, you know, a, a goal and, and a mission of buzzer. What is your favorite sport to catch clips from? I will have to say, I mean, I, I'm a, I'm a big hoop head. So NBA uh, <laughs> and, and the WNBA. And I, and I will say that, you know, I was a fan of the WNBA back when uh, I think every kid had a, a crush on either Lisa Leslie or Rebecca Lobo. Right. And um, so, you know, this is a throwback to the 25 year, right. They, they yes. were the inaugural year, right? Yes. The OGs. 
But I will also say that having WNBA on buzzer has created a, a new sense of education for me personally as well. Right. I'm not ashamed of saying this, you know, I've learned much more about the players and about the game. And it's really buzzer is really meant to provide an extra business case or, or a revenue channel for women's sports specifically. Right. How do we turn advocacy into actual tune in? When uh, individuals like Renee Montgomery or Asia Wilson or Sabrina or Candace Parker or Diana Taurasi, these are all cultural icons and individuals. Um, and I'm sorry to say, but those individuals, if you ask them what team they play on, you know, not a lot of people can tell you what teams they yeah. play on. Right. And that means yeah. that we got some work to do. Right? Right. right. But also, you know, with that consumer insight, how do you drive tune in? Right. How do you drive that affinity that you have for for Candace to drive in tune in for a Chicago game? Right. Or right. Asia for an Aces game. Right. And um, I think that's where we need to really approach this. And, you know, WNBA indexes younger fans, which means that they're mobile first. And so, again, how do you meet them where they are? Right. How do you turn someone who follows Asia or Candace on Instagram and turn them into actual customers of the WNBA, right? And so um, I, I think the next generation has been player first. You see this with Steph Curry and LeBron, Definitely. right? Yep. You know, it's all about not only what they do on the court, but what they say or act off the court, what they believe in, you know, what they stand for. Also, what, what are they wearing, you absolutely. know, in the tunnel, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So how has the WNBA fan base responded now that there's WNBA buzzer moments? The initial reaction has been amazing, where as long as we increase the surface area of the WNBA and allow the WNBA to be accessible by all, right? Not just with someone with a television or not just someone with a WNBA League Pass subscription. How do we make it much more accessible, right? And so how do we allow you to buy in moments for $199 and you can just kind of jump in and out bending on different activities, right? And so in the simplest sense, what Buzzer is, is we're a data company. We simply utilize data to identify moments to bring people together. How do we do that uh, with the WNBA? How do we create more FOMO? You know, mm -hmm. soon enough, Serena, you'll get a notification that says Nicole and Renee are watching the links at the Atlanta dream. And, and then all of a sudden you're like, mm -hmm. okay, these are two people I like, they're watching something without me. Right. And so <laughs> yeah. that's where we layer social layers, right. Uh -huh. of like, Hey, all your that. friends are watching this without another way that we would describe buzzer is that we're that last mile technology of, you know, that moment that's happening, that is ephemeral, that is fleeting. How do we maximize that short window of time to drive as many eyeballs as possible you know, and, and also driving the you know business forward. And so I, I really thank the WNBA for uh, their eye for new things, for innovation uh, in new formats, because that's the only way that we're going to collectively grow the sport together. I, I'm curious with the licensing and how that goes with the NBA TVs and, and you know, all the all the networks that you guys have to license footage from. How do you guys generate revenue? From the simplest sense, we drive revenue through micropayments, right? And so um, again, you know, that scenario of links at Sparks, you know, seven seconds left, tied up uh, 69, 69, 99 cents to watch, right? And if we drive a dollar for that user, we revenue share with the WNBA. Also, um, if you really think about it, micropayments over time should justify the economics of a subscription, 
So say that you, you pass the season pass of WNBA. I think uh, WNBA is 1599. Once you cross that threshold, we'll hit you up and say, Hey, did you know that you spent $18 on WNBA content? (laughs) So smart. So smart. And so we say, Hey, why don't you just subscribe to WNBA league pass? And then all your live look-ins are free. Right. And so in that case, the league is happy because they have a, you know, a new subscriber. Like promo also. That's phenomenal marketing. That's phenomenal marketing. It it teaches loyalty. Right. And it told and and also not to mention user retention through consumption behavior over time. And so we live in an era where there's so many subscriptions out there. Yes. I, I say subscriptions are kind of sometimes like gym memberships where you sign up and you forget <laughs> about it, right? Yeah. Yeah. But, but sometimes you just don't know what's playing where, right? right? And so if I can tell you how to find you know, uh, certain content and what part of that subscription, that also teaches loyalty. That also teaches user retention, right? And Definitely. so our goal is to authenticate your cable subscription. If the live look-in falls within your cable subscription, it's free. If not, then you pay the micropayment, right? And so, so then you find everyday utility uh, of your cable subscription. And that's what we want to do. I'm sure all of us have had this personal experience where you click on a New York Times article because you want to read it. And then you get hit with a notification that says you've reached your five-hour limit, nine ninety nine to subscribe. And you're like, I just want to read this article. Oh Wait to play so you give them just pool. enough to get intrigued, and then, yeah, then the, the yeah. subscription is where is where it draws draws them in. Like and it. if we drive a subscription, then the WNBA will pay us a cut off of that subscription, right? Oh, and so it's wow. it, the business model Amazing. is dual prom. Even if you do have access to the league pass or NBA TV and you're not at home, sometimes Wi-Fi restrictions prevent you from logging in. Sometimes, you know, if you're on a road trip and you're way out in the country and you just have no way of hooking up, you can, you know, hit it up with your telephone. So a buzzer would be a a way of seeing something or not missing something that you would like to see. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And let me tell you how good that is, because when you say that, it makes me think of my college students because like right now, um, even though they're at college and they could probably get to a TV, but let's say they're not near a TV and there is something going down that they want to see. I can absolutely see my sons clicking for 99 cents just to catch the end. <laughs> even if they're like running back to their dorm to try to get yeah. the rest of it to no not miss. No one wants miss, to miss the game winner. Like miss, no one wants you know, to miss the moment. I can see where that would be such a need. And even in my house, when we were there at home, we didn't have, they didn't watch cable. It was, cable was for me and my husband because we're cable, we're from the cable kid era. They're from the phone. <laughs> Everything they did was on the phone. They just do literally apps anyway. So I can see where that would be more appealing to them anyway because they don't care about cable subscriptions. We do. My age yeah. does. So, and we're a dying breed because cable <laughs> is going to figure out that they're not making any money that way anyway. And the only way they're going to make money is Wi-Fi. So people are going to start just getting Wi-Fi and doing all apps for everything. You could probably do with TV shows, too. It's like the season finale. Yeah, like season finale. Oh, Bachelor Nation. Oh, my God. See who they pick. And that could be click it for 99 cents. Absolutely. I can see it. So that's this is cool. I think your friend, I think your kids always want to be first and they don't want to be last. There is that social currency of being first, right? Yes. Look at a Justin Bieber post. Look in the comment section. There are kids that write <laughs> literally first in the comments, <laughs> right? Really? Because they are sending a signal out saying, hey, like my friends, I was first here, oh right? Like, welcome, goodness. you know, you yes. know, and I, I would, we, we have a running joke with my buddies where, if someone sends news that's super late, we just say, hey, that's super late. 
Like we yeah. make fun of each other for being late. But Bo, you talked about something. You talked about loyalty. You talked about certain things. And for me, everyone knows that my foundation, the Renee McGurin Foundation, it's my baby. It's kind of what I built everything on when I opted out. That's all I focused on was what work could we do in the community through my foundation? And I know that you are what we call a super ally is what I would like to call where you bring me in on the investment side to make sure that I have a seat at the table. But there's also another announcement you want to make. So I'm going to leave the floor to you to tell you what's going on over there at Buzzer. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. You know, so taking a step back, you know, like you uh, with your foundation, Renee, I also truly felt that if we want to be successful, our foundation needs to be sound. I think there is a an ideal that or a misconception where people want to do good when they do well. And I always believe that you do well because you do good first. How are you? Amen. We're going to church today. And so <laughs> we're going to church. And, 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 you know, and so my dad is always, you know, set me aside since, ever since I started earning a salary saying, hey, there's money that you set aside that is not yours. You know, you say that you earned it, but you didn't. The foundation, the start that you've really started upon is something that is God-given and something that honestly my parents gave me. And so for me, I have this one shot and opportunity to really build a company, a culture, and a business that really matters. And I also have this broader aspiration of showing, you know, younger tech founders and the future entrepreneurs that wins and values aren't mutually exclusive. You know, you can actually do both. Buzzer started uh, in January, 2020. Two months after we were living in a global pandemic, you know, a month after it was George Floyd's murder and then Breonna Taylor. And then you had a series of, you know, occurrences that really sparked the second racial reckoning, you know, in this country. How can I start a company that really feeds into the culture and not address none of that? Um, so I went back to um, our seed investors, specifically our VC, Sapphire Ventures and, and Lair Hippo. And I said, listen, I'm going to restructure our cap table. I know we did a seed raise, but I'm going to dedicate 1% of our cap table that will never be diluted, dedicated towards the advancement of communities of color, specifically the Black community, the Latinx community, the AAPI community. 1% of our net profits are going to go towards those efforts. And then lastly is, we're asking for uh, an optional customer participation where um, our customers can round up their micropayments, you know, 1% of their micropayments toward those efforts as well. Right. And so we called it strive and strive was our first product before buzzer as a sports product strive was our first product. And what strive was, it was uh, shortly after George Floyd's murder, I sent out a tweet saying, if you're a college student and gotten your internship canceled due to the pandemic DME, if you're a black college student that goes to an HBCU, please DM me. Wow. I woke up the next day with over 500 DMs. For me, it was more around how do I have a small but tangible part of this racial reckoning that was happening you know, in our country. And so we hired three college uh, summer associates uh, from HBCUs. And then the 500 plus that we couldn't hire, we turned it into a mentorship program where um, I passed around a Google Doc. It, it was a janky Google Doc Excel spreadsheet where um, we had a mentor sign up. And I'm telling you, it was the CMO of Lululemon. It was VP of marketing at Nike and Jordan brand, Michael Jordan's manager, 
Um, oh, wow. We have GM of the San Francisco Giants, just, a lot just like the Renee. Who's who of all brands? Yeah, you know, <laughs> I, you know, a lot like Renee. I have some good friends uh, <laughs> and powerful ones at that. And what we did was we just paired each uh, individual up. For us, it was how do we do our small part and create access? Where in a society where access is only reserved to the select few, right? right. And so, you know, a, a, an amazing story is we had a you know, a junior college student at uh, Morehouse. And one of the applications for Strive uh, questions was, what's your dream job? And uh, that student wrote, my dream job is to be GM of a baseball team. And I'm like, wow. that's easy. Um, I'm going to pair you up with the GM of the San Francisco Giants. Right. Wow. And wow. that student now is a, is a senior. And, and now he is interning for the GM of the Atlanta Braves. Staying local. Wow. Right. Wow. And that's, so that's amazing. awesome. With that said, you know, what really pulled me in about Renee is not only her commitment to the sport and creating equality of access of women's sports in terms of a platform, but it's also the wonderful work that she's done as a foundation, right? And so for me, it was how do we think about partnering with Renee and her foundation in multiple ways, right? And so the one thing that we wanted to introduce is a, a, you know, a referral program. So anyone who's listening to this podcast if you uh, refer anyone uh, to Buzzer and we successfully hire that person, we will pay you $2,500. And in return, we will match the $2,500 and donate to the Renee Montgomery Foundation. Now I want people <laughs> to understand, Buzzer will pay you for providing them with a quality candidate that they hire. So if they hire a candidate that you refer to them, the referral program, They'll pay you twenty five hundred listening right now. Whoever's listening, they'll pay you. And if you do that for Buzzer, y'all are hooking me up, baby, because in turn, Buzzer, because Bo is so dope, they're yes. going to also donate twenty five hundred to the Renee Montgomery Foundation as well, Amazing. just to build up the community. They know like I've had in-depth conversations with Bo about what we're trying to do with the foundation. We're here boots on the ground in Atlanta. People know we have Renee's runs. People know that we're building tech events. We have different things going on. It's exciting. And just me telling Bo about my excitement. I got the email. I was just as shocked as you guys are listening right now. <laughs> Listen up. Listen up. I had to read the email over two or three times. Like, is Bo saying what I think he's saying? And we even asked each other, like, yeah. surely that's not the case. Like we, we, we were talking like, did. I want to say thank you from the Renee Montgomery Foundation well, just in so general, much. because that's there's huge. so much we're going to do with that down the line. Like that's foundations. We know it's so hard to make money with foundations to get support financially for events that we want to put on. So what you're doing, Bo, with Buzzer, it's not only giving monetary value to women's sports it's not only bringing monetary value to the WNBA, but now y'all are taking a step further with strive and just putting money into foundation pockets and so we right. promise to use it and carry the torch and strive for great things as well and so i can't to mention taking enough. networking to a whole nother level like what, what? yeah that, that's amazing what you yes. guys are doing is amazing thank you thank you and I, I will add if your listeners out there if you are a qualified candidate you refer yourself right come on i don't think i can, I think I can give that individual the 2500 uh referral but if you refer saying hey i just listened to renee's podcast right then we'll make a donation in your behalf as well right and oh, so awesome. um I, I do want to expand that um and again it's in my mind it's very small renee yeah, it's it really huge. is. It's huge. Um, it's huge. Definitely. But, but again, for me, it's it's more around how we set our foundation, 
and how we build from there. Right. And there's no moving the goalposts once we become successful together. Right. It's how do we grow the, you know, the pie together. I'm a firm believer of that, you know, startups, it's risky. There's high yeah. risk, right? yeah. but there are things that you can optimize for. You can optimize for culture, for people, for mission, for values. And if you surround yourself with people that keep you accountable, that make you better, that challenge you, that's where we're going to actually you know, uh, be successful, right? And that's how you optimize your success. Yes. Because again, the risk out there, I can't control. But the values that I lead with, the mission that we set, and how we surround ourselves with great people who do amazing things, that's how we really uh, win the future together. So thank you again for your partnership, for your friendship, your trust. It means a lot more than you know. You know, I get full confidence that I have an army of dope people that are yeah. backing me in, in, in more uh, ways uh, than just financially. Uh, thank you for being my friend. Yes, we thank you for joining us here on Montgomery and Company. And we wish nothing. We'll be catching our buzzer moments. I know that we'll be that mm -hmm. ping that you have to say, hey, you passed the threshold. I'm glad <laughs> to get there. We'll be yeah. the ping. We will support you all the way. We're yes. team buzzer. And thank you for joining us here today, Bo. It's a pleasure. Super dope conversations with Jamel Hill and Bohan. And, you know, what I notice about both of them, I follow them both on social media and I see how much they use social media in their business. A lot of times people don't associate business with social media, but I get on to my crew all the time, Team Montgomery. I send texts out to the group chat. Have you tweeted today? Have you checked social media today? The reason I tell them that is because it's so important in building your brand and building your business. And Jamel Hill, you will get ethered if you come on her social social media talking crazy so don't do that she's unbothered but she does get annoyed she let us know that and with Bohan buzzer I mean everything they do is about the second on the second and so with social media and you need to know right now buzzer fits perfectly in that they're building a monster over there so before you talk crazy about social media recognize that it can be a business tool Montgomery and Company it's a generational thing we're out Hello, it is your partner, Big Boy, interested in giving back to your community while making new connections in your neighborhood. Introducing Neighbor to Neighbor, a California volunteers network that empowers you to take action, contribute to local needs, and be a part of something bigger than yourself. Visit caneighbors.com to learn more about how you can get to know your neighbor and strengthen your community. Neighbor to Neighbor, it takes a neighborhood. Hello. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, the trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.